morning. Good morning. How are you doing? As good as can be expected for a guy my age. How old are you? Old enough to know better than to tell you. Oh, <laughs> come on. No, 64. Okay, okay. So I'm almost on that point where you get to have all the free chickens at Orschlands. I don't know. That's, there you go, free chickens at Orschlands. That'd be pretty cool. You ever go there with the grandkids? I never even thought about getting free chickens from Orschlands. But we'll have little babies, you know? Yeah. We always go there, and my, my son will want to touch them all. Yes, all of mm-hmm. them. He's like, why are all of those sleeping? I'm like, well, because they forgot to take the sleeping ones out. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, we got a pretty nice day today. Honestly, it's... Uh, Praise it's, the Lord. It's still hot. I'm not sure what the Lord has... What the Lord hasn't planned for all the hot and humid. Well, it'll just make the corn grow that much better. Will it? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Hot and humid makes corn, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Keeps the pigs a little bit stressed out when loading oh, them there. That's true. They like to jump over the gates and ride your backs and stuff like that, but... That's not in my area of expertise. That's exciting, you know. Yeah, that's your you know, area. Yeah, you never know what uh, what you get to have. Um, if we look, a, if I look a little tired, it's because I got kids with RSV and oh boy. Well, I'm, I'm. Bible school has taken a little bit of our effort this week. Sure. Yeah. If you anyone really see cool. All the trees and stuff behind us. This isn't our new backdrop. It's uh, our new Bible school it stuff. It is. Yeah. And tonight is our program. Awesome. And we get to hear the sapling choir. So sapling yes, choir. Sapling choir. Oh boy. That is the pinnacle of our performance. Mm. Yes. So we look forward to that. Couple hour performance, I assume. Mm, no. No. Okay. If we make thirty minutes, it'll be major. Okay. Cool. Um. So I've got like a little bit of a moral dilemma question. Have you ever heard the like trolley question? No. Surprise okay. me. Okay. So it's either. You're on a trolley, train, something like that, and it's heading down, barreling down the tracks, and there's a switch that you can control. And right now, you're headed towards five people that are standing on the tracks, or you can flip the switch and head towards one person on the tracks, assuming you're going to kill whoever you hit. Do you flip the switch? Yes. Towards the one person, but then that's you making the decision. That's true, but mm-hmm. one instead of five, I think the Lord might bless that decision. Uh, I, you didn't add, is it the President of the United States on the one track? Of the, you know. Sure. Well, I assume anybody that's uh, part of the government, I'd, I'd make sure to get them. But. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, those are moral, moral dilemmas. I, I find those are interesting discussions and uh, it, interesting to think through. Right. I mean, that's kind of their point is that sometimes it's, I know with that specific example, it's not meant to have a solution. Like, right. it's not meant to be able to look at and there's an actual solvable thing. Kind of like what we talked about, uh, was it last week or the week before, like, if God can create a boulder so big that he cannot lift it, um, they're just kind of meant to spark um, some discussion you know, they consider that to like not, and there's lots of examples of these right. moral dilemma things we have where you don't necessarily have a solution, but it's just meant to kind of think about. And that kind of got me wondering, like, why does, it's kind of cool that God made these, these, I don't even know how you would go about making a, something that we think about in our heads that are actually unsolvable. You know, we don't know 
we don't know the answer to them and we can't solve that problem. True, true. But it's sort of like Ecclesiastes 3 when uh, God has placed in the heart of men, eternity in the heart of men. But, you know, we really don't know. We know there's a sense of eternity out there, but we really don't know what eternity is because nothing in this realm is eternal. Sure. I mean, it seems like our lives are going to be, you know, well, obviously our lives given to us from, uh, uh, through salvation from Jesus is, that's a salvation, or that's a eternity. Mm-hmm. But we don't even figure that out very well. No, yeah. We don't understand what it's, what it's going to be like in heaven. I think it's kind of funny. It's like, well, what's heaven going to be like? You know, is there going to be beer in heaven? Like, well, I don't know. Will you Maybe. Need, will there need to be beer? Will there need to be beer? Yeah. You know? Like we talked about, do dogs go to heaven? You know? Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Do dogs get along with cats in heaven? Do the cats still eat the mice in heaven? There's peace in heaven. We know okay. that in Revelation 22, 21, 22. It's a cool place. Yeah. But is a cat a cat if it doesn't want to kill mice? Well, but if we go back to <laughs> Isaiah, we know that the lion will lay down with the lamb. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. That makes so, sense. So it's a whole different perspective than what we put on the natural order of things in this realm that we're experiencing. Uh, it's just very hard for us to nail down what heaven is because we have no example of it on earth. No, but does the Bible tell us? Like, it doesn't really say. It just kind of talks about how you're going to, you know, all, all of your pain is gone, all your fears, all the, all the bad things in our life that right. might make us do selfish things and stuff like that. That's all gone. It's all gone. Uh, we don't we look for sunrise or sunset because the Lord is there and he actually is the light for heaven. So it's not nece- there's no really like biblical translation for that then is there? I know this is something I touch on a lot is right. the because I feel like it's one of the things that I kind of judge someone's or not necessarily judge but figure out where they stand. It's like you know it's basically a simple question like how much of the Bible do you think is something that we should live our lives by? You know. Yeah. You know, heaven is the ultimate of our future. But it also, I guess, the thing that impresses me so much is the fact that the fruit of the tree of life will be for the healing of the nations. Can we imagine that there is actually no scuffle in heaven between the nations? All the things that we've experienced with war and and those kind of things are not present in heaven. And God's intention is healing. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Wow. Yeah. I like that. Um... Last week we touched on a little bit, and maybe you know this is kind of a controversial thing, especially in a lot of the different um, denominations mm-hmm. um, with the homosexuality and the um, and what does the Bible say about it? Um, and I, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about it, and maybe I could be kind of the oh I don't want to say devil's advocate, but the other side of the argument where you see a lot of that pushback to seeing to determining. Is that what the Bible says? And what kind of leaps are we making to make it fit our narrative? Because I think there could be a little bit of that on both sides. Um, yeah, is true. it something that the Bible explicitly says? I mean, and so the first kind of question, I know that you've, oh, there's I know, like a dozen of them that are like, well, six that are specific towards... Um, like man on man 
stuff like that, sexual immorality. Um, and then there's a lot talking explicitly, explicitly about, you know, marriage between a man and a wife and that gender mm -hmm. role kind of thing. But so uh, I think we've we've also touched on the fact that there's more to it. Yeah. And so I, I think what Paul does in chapter one of Romans is illustrate that it is part of a cultural progression. So when we get to homosexuality in a culture, accepted as the norm, and we think it, this is the only time it's happened. Actually, historically, this is not the only time that's happened. Sure. Yeah. And so when homosexuality comes up, becomes part of the norm, then it shows it's an evidence of a shift of culture. You can go back and, and see that in the, especially Greek and Roman cultures when they went that direction. So Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 1. For, for all they knew, uh, verse 21, for although they knew God, which talks about some of the other issues we've been working on, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed they to be wise, they became fools, fools and exchanged the glory of the immoral immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Well, we can't imagine us doing that. But then we go to verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual immorality, impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Because of this, he gave them over to sinful, shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations with unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. I mean, it doesn't say homosexuality. Right. That's but one it of the describes it. Yeah. It describes it. And Paul's pointing it out as well, a moral it as a cultural shift towards an immoral accepting immoral things sure okay so i think the the argument against that is that that's talking about you know just being promis promiscuous in a sense it's not talking about love between two people they abandoned their natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Can a man have an indecent act with a, a woman? Imagine. Because, I mean, like, again, I'm trying to be the opposite argument. Yeah. This is specifically talking about men with right. men. I, th I think a lot of the pushback is that they're, he's talking about, the Bible's talking about just being overly promiscuous and that's what the Bible is saying is that whether you're you know uh, uh, let's say cheating on your wife with another woman or cheating on your wife with another man or vice versa God frowns upon that and so that's you not not to do that that's bad but it doesn't talk about the actual uh, love between two people like the big argument is, is that it's not saying that there's no that it doesn't touch on homosexuality. That's a term that was later made in you know, I think it was the 19th century. Right, but 
this does talk about men having making love with men. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily just to fulfill their lusts. But it, yes, just to fulfill their lustful I, desires. I'd say there's more lust than love in many homosexual relationships. Well, I mean, there's a lot of that in straight relationships, too. <laughs> See, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's all... It's, That's yeah, true. It's, I mean... We don't really understand love. We only have one word. We use it for a lot of things from hamburgers to our spouses. In the Bible, they had five. And we're talking about agape, eros rather than agape here. Eros is the brotherly? Eros is the sexual. Okay. The, the uh, lust. E-R-O-S. Yeah. I always yeah, get that confused. Erotic. Yep. That's a good way to remember it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're talking about here. Uh, I, what catches me in this passage is God giving over. Yeah. That action, and it's also a, a word that he uses in Ephesians 4.19 and uh, Psalm 81.12. Can we imagine frustrating Almighty God, who loved us enough to send Christ into the world for us, but frustrating God enough that he gives us over to our own depraved mind, and says, okay, you guys have chosen against me so many times. Let's see. I'm going to give you over to your own thoughts and, and feelings, and let's see how that turns out for mm-hmm. you. Treating us kind of, yeah, like I've, I've felt that way before with my son. Not any sort of, like, it's just him pitching a fit about something because he wants something. It's like, fine, you know what? Here's a whole bag of cookies. Go nuts. But that's not. How does that work? Oh God! <laughs> um, Everyone's gone, right? He, yeah. Two seconds later, he's stuck to the ceiling. There's crumbs everywhere. The yeah. dog's licking him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, then on some other things, I I think of, uh, I think of the Amish and the Rumspleger. They're, they're uh, turning their young people loose so they understand the world and all the evils of it. And then many of them, after the Rumspleger, come back and say, you know. I, that wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot to that where you... So people are sometimes critical of the Bible because it's like it's got all these different rules and stuff that it's like you have to follow this, but I want to do my own thing at that in the moment. And I have found that there's a, a significant amount of regret that happens when you don't hold yourself you know, accountable to anything and you don't take into consideration how valuable those not necessarily someone you know telling you what to do but that's pretty much what it is i know there's like a a syndrome like uh, when people are in prison and they get out they had all their lives just you know when they're in prison this is what you do now 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 down the road and when they get out it's like this is overwhelming this freedom freedom is overwhelming you're exactly right Yes, and that I think what I, I think we need to do as Christians more is talk about being intimate with God. Mm-hmm. In other words, if we see God as Father, Abba Father, and we see ourselves in relationship with Him, then it changes the dynamics between being rules 
wrote out to being relationship yeah that we live out yeah and uh living in relationship with god understanding his love that would send a son into the world changes then how i want to live in light of that love mm -hmm. rather than oh all these rules how can i keep all these rules right because we can't right we're gonna we have a a way about us that's just gonna derail every time we want to keep rules give me a rule and i'll find a way to break it oh yeah sometimes even even like subconsciously you're just wanting to get a hype make that with the comparison to my son it's like you know, don't do that it's like oh you shouldn't have said that yeah. Don't say don't do that because they're like, oh, yeah. That's got to be done. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think then that's how we see the shift in our culture. When we no longer, as a culture, found God to be a part of it. In fact, wanted to make sure God wasn't any part of the culture mm -hmm. and rejected him. Then we lost the fact that there's anything bigger than me or you. Yeah. So... What's to keep me from doing just about anything I want? Right. There's no, no one greater than us, so we have nobody calling us to count. Sure. And there's also that the freedom that we get, you know, it's, you know, and God could have very well made us to just do what he wanted. You know, we could have been puppets. Yep. And is I'm, maybe it's something that he... I mean, I don't know. I'm not in the brain of God. He sees that, you know, how much more beautiful a creation that can choose to do the right things without being forced to do them. Like, we all know that, you know, sharing our resources with others, you know, having you know, you know, uh, close and intimate relationships with others, that's very, very fruitful for everyone, you know? But if someone were to force us to do that force us to share all of our resources force you know communism you you know you five people to be in this room you all get along and get to know each other that the forcing of it is is certainly not fruitful no even if it does even if it attempts to do the right thing right and that's kind of a difficult way to but living out a relationship if we first acknowledge god being god and that Christ is set for our sake, then when we join together as Christians, we have a whole lot more in common than somebody who's, you know, out somewhere else. So I, I really appreciate the times I can gather with other Christians. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to be Methodist or Mennonite. Uh, we accept Baptists. And if <laughs> yeah. It's just amazing to me how much more we have in common then we have differences. Yeah. When we talk about those who have given their lives to Christ and walk in that fullness of life, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot more in common than separating. Sure. Do you see that when you, I mean, can it, does it have to be that way? Like, does, if someone wants a fruitful relationship with somebody and, and that person is Christian, I mean, seeking that good relationship with somebody, you know, that can be kind of a selfish thing, especially if, not especially, but if you're seeking it out, you know, with other Christians or something like that, you want that fruitful relationship. That's not a bad thing. But some people can also find that with people who are not Christians. Well, in fact, I'd nudge them in that way. 
because there's no better influence towards Christ than how we live for him. Mm -hmm. Well, if we just do that with other Christians, then it's never making a difference in the world. Yeah. And when we think about Paul and the places that he moved and the places he went, he went among non-Christians. Yeah. For the specific purpose of sharing the gospel. So I'd say, I'd take your analogy and, and move it farther. I think we as Christians need to intentionally engage in relationship those who do not follow Christ for the purpose of sharing this Jesus we know. Maybe not right off the bat, sure, but over the course of time, I, I think that needs to be one of our goals. Now say if I have, I have friends that are non-Christian, well not just, not as obviously I do, but I call them future believers. Um, oh, that's cool. Say I don't, um, uh, not necessarily comfortable bringing it up all the time because it kind of ruins the fun that we would have because it makes everything a little more difficult. You know, I only get to see, you know, I only get to see this person two times a year. I'm going to okay. spend it doing that. You know, they're not going to want to get together with me if I'm being critical of their life, you know? True. But the other side of the coin is living in relationship with them. Then when they need the benefits of relationship, you can speak into it from the relationship you have in Christ. So being so, if there's a death in the family and this person is despondent, then you could it. live into that moment and say, "Oh man, I know how it fe how it feels. I've lost so and so, but I also know the hope that I have because yeah. I know Christ." And if that individual died, knew Christ, you mm -hmm. can also bring that into conversation. Yeah. So it's amazing how God puts us in places where those conversations can be very fruitful. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a dark thought. Is yeah, you're, you're being in that relationship with someone who does not believe, just waiting for something bad to happen, the the fear or circumstance to overtake them that is so negative that they need somewhere to turn well we we put it in the context of the negative it could be it could be a joyous occasion oh yeah i mean any life event that takes a toll on us emotionally changes us yeah either positive or negative yeah and so it could be those questions come out of that maybe this person finds that perfect mate and you can say boy that is wonderful and I, I, as I live in my relationship, and as we together live in our relationship with Christ, yeah, it's cool stuff we've got going. Okay. Um, we kind of got off topic on the, um, the homosexuality thing. I did want to ask you about um, the example of, I believe it's David, who had that, I think we've said it before, like a brotherly love. But is that... I mean, that was in the Old Testament, so we don't... That was the Hebrew, right? Right. So they only had the one word, right? Well, they had several, but yeah. It was not a sexual relationship. Okay. I mean, there's... There's some people that would like to take it that direction. Okay. But, you know, but I our, guess I find as I work with men that there's an intimacy that can be had between brothers in Christ that has nothing, absolutely. In fact, sex would destroy it. Well, yeah. I mean, really. 
Whereas, but it, but it's an intimacy. We ache when they ache. We hurt when they hurt. We we praise the Lord when they praise the Lord. It is so we're so in tune with each other as brothers that we're blessed just being with them. Well, that's David and Jonathan. And when you think of the situation they were in, David was the upcoming king, already been anointed to be king. Saul was the outgoing king and wanted to kill the David. And here's Jonathan in the midst of this mix. A son of the father who wanted to kill his best friend. Do you get any deeper emotional triangle? Yeah. Those three guys. But David, uh, Jonathan loved David as he loved himself, as his own body, it says. Uh, and his, I guess when he reaches out and gives uh, David his robe, that first time they were successful in battle. And, and can you imagine being the prince, the heir to the throne, if you will, caring enough for this young man to give a royal robe? That's a depth. Yeah. I'm going to give you my shirt. Right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I think so much of you, I'm going to give you my best trench coat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you did that to me, yeah, if you did that to me, I'd be weirded out. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my shirt. But if we were in relation, in relationship. Yeah. Uh, we're also separated by about. Oh, a good amount of years. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Oh uh, yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah. I've had friends give me clothing when you know unprepared for something. You know, going up to a Lambeau field at a football game, and I didn't bring any long johns, and it's snowing four feet every minute, and mm-hmm. need another pair of long johns so we can go to the game or something like that. I mean, I think we talked about this after the episode last time, but we there's a lot of lack in the uh, brotherly relationship that you see. I know that. So I do a lot of hunting, fishing, outdoor stuff like that. I read in an article, and I don't know if it was some sort of, you know, I think it was either fishing or hunting or something like that. Might have been a, oh, it was a Pheasants Forever magazine. They're talking about how the hunting buddy is dead and needs to come back. Because that's one of those cool things that... It's like, wow, how do you guys know each other? Oh, we went to high school together or something like that. Well, that, was, that wasn't really something you chose. You just kind of chose a friendship in high school or something. But, you know, then uh, when October 31st rolls around and, you know, pheasants are flying around and hunting season begins, you know, some of the first phone calls I make to those, those, those close hunting buddies. And, you know, those are some of the best memories I have is just going out and being with those guys doing that because mm-hmm. it's... You know, it's just a great connection. But I know a guy who restores cars. And every once in a while, I mean, he's got a lot of f- friends that come around and, and stop in his shop periodically. And he cultivates those relationships with those men, and it gets deeper and deeper as time goes on. So that every once in a while he has a fish fry, he does things with the guys. I think there's a whole ministry to men, and it's different than ministry to women. Because men need to know that they hold a position, they're respected. Men want to be respected by other men. Uh, 
the church will benefit from men understanding they're respected in the church. And uh, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Is there, a, is there like some advice you could give to someone who would, who wants to foster those relationships and make those stronger? Yeah. First, find someone older than you. Okay. To have conversation with, to meet with once in a while, just, and it doesn't have to be bigger, a big deal. And, and when you have that relationship together, and, and I could say mentoring, but it's even more than mentoring. It's just somebody who you resonate with. Mm-hmm. And then the two of you find someone younger. And eventually then find someone younger yet. So that four men together have a, 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 a length of wisdom that spans many years. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how much wisdom comes from those, the generation before us. And sometimes two generations before us. Oh, yeah. That can breathe life into the today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely respect a lot of the people uh, in this church, uh, my stepdad, the wisdom he has in certain things that it's almost, and I'm sure he'll watch this, and he's, I'm like, and I, so sometimes I'll be like, I don't know what we should do, but I'm leaning towards this, and he'll say that. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, okay, I respect you. I think we should do that. He's going to probably want some examples, and I don't have any. Um, but then it's almost like if I, if we keep, if we only, if we only listen to and take the advice from elders, we don't ever come up with the new things. Right. So we just treat it as guidance as, as, but if you're offering some advice and I'm not necessarily taking it, is that disrespectful? Well, it is. Well, and, and the, the thing that is missing in that, in that plus, in yeah, that, yeah. Uh, is the fact that the young people then bring a different perspective yeah. to the older ones, and they, oh, hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be conversation. It needs to be mutual respect, not just that we respect the older, but the older respect the younger yeah. and begin to understand that the same things they went through t- 25 years ago don't ring quite the same today. Sure. Uh, I, <laughs> coronavirus. We want to do church just like we've always done it. And the reality is, we may never get exactly back to where we were. Mm-hmm. But we also, by listening to uh, younger people, like podcasts, I'm still wondering what this podcast thing is. Sure. But if it fulfills a purpose in the kingdom, I want to do it. Yeah. Even though I haven't got any idea how to do it, sure. I want to do it. Yeah. And you, you brought that to this stage. Uh, and the other side of it is I, I bring a certain context and, and, and some understanding of the Bible and things. So we have that. So mm-hmm. I love what you do and we do it this together. That's sort of what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's you bring something new to the table and given my advanced age, I sort of think about it and then we feed it back and, and go from there. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about in this relationship. It wasn't just David to Jonathan or Jonathan to David. It, David did something for Jonathan that he didn't have with Dad. Yeah. And, and that's the, the piece of this uh, brotherly love, this mutual respect piece that 
it had no sexual connotations at all. But those boys were close. Mm-hmm. Now, they were not close in age. Right. And Jonathan was probably not quite old enough to be David's father. Yeah. But pretty close. Yeah, we might just see, you know, nowadays a lot of that stuff is just looked through a sexual lens that we look at that and we think, you know, well, clearly that's 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 what that was talking about. But but that's our lens. Yeah. On that's scripture. How, and that's how we're viewing it. Um, I think something to mention, too, um, I'm sure, I mean, you probably don't remember being young, but uh, <laughs> um, the respect I have for older people and the stuff they have. Also, like, you know, if you're older and you, you know, you've gained that respect from somebody younger, like, don't necessarily strive to make all the perfect recommendations and choices because the amount of things that I learn from the failures of the people who I respect or the, you know, the, the shortcomings is, and maybe that's just how I'm wired. I see that, that failure or that, you know, something that wasn't quite right. And I, something in my brain captures that quickly. And a lot of it's with like parenting and uh, granted, I, you know, when I went into it, I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. My kid's going to eat good things all the time. It's, you know, it's almost the opposite of that. Now he's, you know, just spaghetti and cookies. Yeah, so, spaghetti and cookies. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, that is the ideal lifestyle. Maybe throw a steak in there, but otherwise seeing that someone is also vulnerable to you know, making the wrong decisions time to time is pretty valuable. Well, that's part of the respect that we build with each other. Yeah. But even we see each other's foibles and we acknowledge them. People make a lot of fun of me and my foibles. And, you know, that's, I'm just not perfect. Yeah. Never really tried to project that I was. Uh, so we make fun of the foibles and we respect each other. Yeah. Well, I think that's something the guys do a lot too is, yeah, just... We razz each other about those things, yeah. I mean, I I certainly do that with my wife and mother a lot, too. But uh, I guess it's about the same kind of relationship with that. But yeah, some people on the outside are just like, you are horrible to your mother. I'm like, yeah, but... But with a man, you can only razz to the amount of respect you've gained. Otherwise, you could offend. Oh, that's a good point. So I think it's a good way of measuring... How well do we know this individual, and how far can we take our razzing? And yeah. So if I have a friend or someone who doesn't necessarily take that razzing very well, is that maybe a sign that we don't have that? Probably. He doesn't. Is it? Or I is it that I don't respect him, or is it that he doesn't know that I respect him? That's probably more the case that he doesn't know. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, I definitely. I I could see where that could have some applications there. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, then you sort of, how do we build the respect back and, and work at this? Mm-hmm. And often, I don't know whether relationships are like that for you, but it often takes several of those to get it deeper. Yeah. Because a relationship is built just like anything else. Sometimes you have to tear a few things down or to make things happen. Sure. That makes sense. And the bottom line is trust. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we talked a lot about, I mean, explicitly men today and their relationships. Uh, maybe next time we could 
is can we talk about relationships with women or maybe you should have someone else here to talk to we might have to have somebody else here to talk about that because we really have no experience i don't know about you we have no experience about being a woman yeah do you have uh, no okay i have no okay. idea so i think we might be out of out of step but we okay. could entertain the conversation sure okay i'll work on that i bet uh i would sure have a lot of fun with many of the strong women in this church sitting here with us and that could be a heck of a lot of fun i'd say could be. okay all right well love you brother love you too Take all right care, brother. you too Bye. okay so we talked a little bit right after i stopped the recording and something that we talked about is that you know we didn't really touch on some of the things that we wanted because my main kind of goal was to a little bit like soften the discussion a little bit because i didn't want people to think that we or um, God doesn't have a heart for um, what we were discussing. The same-sex relationships. The same-sex relationships, and also that there is more in that passage. There is more in that passage, and okay. I think that's something that we need to, while we see the, the spotlight on the passage with male-on-male -male, uh, lust and that kind of thing, it goes on further after uh, verse 28 God gave them over to depraved to a deprived mind to do what ought not to be done they have become filled with every kind of wickedness and here's quite a list of things that should be probably equally equal with homosexuality should be probably oh, I think it is it is okay it is uh, wickedness evil greed depravity they are full of envy murder strife deceit and malice they are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. That's equal up there? Wow. Anybody done that? They're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree, those rules we were talking about, that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So there's plenty of other ways that you could there's look inside yourself before saying, you know, homosexuality. Is it, you, you, why don't you look inside yourself a little bit kind there's, of a thing? Because plenty of sins na named in this list yeah. to go around. Yes. And they can all be forgiven. They can all be forgiven. Mm -hmm. They also all need to be dealt with. Yep. Is there is there a little bit of, um, is there any part of you that's like, you know, since it's not very exactly 100% clear because the Bible does not explicitly talk about a loving relationship between two same-sex partners, is there any part of you that's like, that's one of those things where you're just like, that's for God to decide? Like, is there any chance that God is um, saying, you know, I didn't talk that the Bible is not in there, you know? And there's a chance that it, that we could be wrong. I guess I have a hard time going there uh, because of the Old Testament, sleeping with a man as you would with a woman. Uh, I'd say the same sex sex is still in this list. Right, but like with like m you know murder. We all know there's plenty of examples of that, but aren't there some examples where it says it's um, warfare and that kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's kind of one of those things as well, where it's like, well, yeah, in, that, in that sense, we have to give it to God because the battle is his. Yeah. Okay. We, we should give every battle to him because mm-hmm. they're his. I, I think the thing that we want to nudge is that the grace of God is, is great. But it's also something that we have to accept. We have to literally accept the grace. It's not put on like butter on a hot muffin. Yeah. This is something that we have to take and accept God's grace. We also have to accept the fact that he may want to transform us. And so many times we as Christians say, well, I've done that all this time. I'm not going to change. And uh, I guess I've found that God has probably blessed me with more transformation in my relationship with him because I needed to change. Even yeah. though I didn't think I had to, it was beneficial. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I know we're, that was a really long one recording just to start with, and then we just broke in a little bit there at the end because we talked about it. Just, you know. Let's love our brothers. Yeah. Let's love our sisters. And let's all of us look for how God can recreate us in his image. Perfect. That's good. All right. Thanks, Don. Thank you.